I want you guys to close your eyes. Close your eyes, fuck. Sorry, I'm trying to minimize my thing. Okay. I want to take you back to a time when the saloons roamed free all across the West. There was liquor. The saloons were roaming free? The saloons were roaming free. Okay. Liquor is in the air, and the chips of the gambler's table felt so right in your fingers to twirl. Right. Am I inside a saloon while You're it's moving? inside the saloon that are sprawling. Is it like Howl's Moving Castle? From- no, it's kind of like how Chipotle was in a couple places and then it was everywhere. Ah, okay. I'm wearing asses chaps in mine. Good. How's the wood feel? Splintery. <laughs> in your hand, gentlemen, you've got two cards. Both of them aces. With those two aces, you know you're gonna take the pot. What game are we playing? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking this. Because if we're playing poker, then I can still get flushed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you have you have a ace and a king of spades. A- am I playing blackjack? No, the river just flopped, and lo and behold, it was the ten of spades that you needed to get the royal flush of the highest suit. Who's president? I thought you just said I had two aces. Cleveland. Rover? No, the guy from Family Guy. <laughs> okay, wait, what cards are in my hand? You've got good cards, and I just want you to say I'm all in. But then they know. Well, you're confident about wanting to go all in. Yeah, but if I'm that confident, then I'm trying to not I want you to say all in card. like you are very confident <laughs> and you have the cards to say I'm all in. I'm all in. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried here. Please join Mike Andrew for the next episode of Slam Drum. The Bears season's going to end on a double doink. That's a clown question, bro. I'm eating burritos bigger than you. You know, that's why I'm like the maple syrup. Syrup drizzle. You got to make that play right away, baby. Is a hot dog a sandwich? It's not a sandwich. It's not a sandwich. Because water is a what? Welcome to Slam Drunk. I'm Michael H. The H stands for Humidity Westner. I'm Andrew Hernandez, the 14th. We are recording live and in person in my house in Florida because Drew's visiting me. That's right, me. He actually likes me, not just for podcasting purposes, although I guess he is here to podcast, but that's beside the point. He just took his glasses off. We just put some bets in and we're ready to talk about sports gambling. Right, Drew? Dude, no, not yet. Read, read the fucking script. I have news to share. Yeah, that's right. I have news. And if you've ever listened to me tell a story before, you know I'm about to ramble my ass off. As many of you now know, I had the best day of my life just a few days ago when I proposed to Vicky. But even though many things did not go according to plan, Vicky was still recovering from the flu, I forgot to wear a belt and my shorts were falling down the whole time, it was the greatest day of my existence anyways. Not only did she say yes, of course, but even better, when she turned around and saw me on one knee holding the ring, her first words to me were, you motherfucker. Vicky, I love you so much, thank you for creating by far the funniest memory ever, and I look forward to all the memories we'll continue to make for the rest of our lives. Now, Mike, 
Stop holding those horses. Let them roam as free as the saloons in the Wild West, and let's start the best episode ever of Slam Drunk. On this episode, we're going to talk about our budding. Some would say already has budded, but we can always continue to bud our sports gambling addictions. We also have a pre-recorded interview by our producer, Og, in his favorite bar in Swansea, Wales. For now, we're going to start with a game called Off to the Races after this quick commercial break. Are you and your friends meeting up at a friend reunion this summer? Yeah. Is the economy still in the dumpster and you're worried about feeding everyone? Yeah. Are you addicted to nicotine? Oh, yeah. Would you opt to vape your food instead of eat your food? Oh, yeah. Well, then Wilkie Bonkia and the Vape Factory has a product for you. Introducing the new Meal Replacement Vape. It's like a meal replacement shake, but you don't even have to swallow. It's a vaporized, cauterized alternative to your friends who are too drunk to eat, but still want that good old calorie-infused vaping sensation. Nice. Do you guys have a lot of local variety? We sure do. What would you and your friends like, sport? You have a chicken tender pub sub? We do. Nice. Do you have Taco Bell nacho fries, excluding all the seasonal bullshit the Taco Bell pulls? We sure do. Fucking nice. Do you guys have Skyway Jacks pancakes and greasy hash browns? Oh, buddy. Only the greasiest. Ah, delicious. And you got a pita pepper side. We sure do. Fucking nice. These vapes are bringing me right at home. Order now and get a free alcoholic vape for your friends who want to be drunk at collegiate reunions but don't want to go to the work of actually having to shotgun beers. Oh, my God. Dude, yeah. I would buy a meal vape. Are you yeah, kidding? absolutely. Yeah, at least to give it a go. Shepherd's pie vape? you kidding me? Oh, my fucking God. Damn. Chicken and waffles vape. All right, hold on. I'm going to get hungry. <laughs> I need to address this now. There is a live spider with her egg sack crawling around in the underside of my beer can. Oh, yeah, she's alive. <laughs> so, special guest on this episode, the mama spider from Mike's Garage, who's laying her eggs on my beer as we drink. My eggs. <laughs> and now we are off to the races in a new segment called Off to the Races. We're combining the drinking game Horse Race, where we have to guess if these ridiculous and wild horse names are real or fake. Usually, the drinking game is played with cards, but we're going to play a true or false, get it wrong drink, get it right drink rules. The beer of the week that Mike and Drew will be drinking is Truck Stop Honey, a 6% brown ale. Are we ready, boys? Never been readier. Do yes. you want to open this beer with me? Yes. Oh, I might have a spider on top. Yeah, we, we have a lot of spiders on these beers. Oh, gone now. Drew, we'll start with you. Fifty Shades of Hay. True. True. Mikey, ready? Yes. Real or fake, penny for your trots. Fake. Correct. <laughs> Drew, Yaka Hicka Mika Dula. True. Correct. And actually, we have a clip. Roll clip. Roll clip. The problem, a three-year-old colt with an 18-letter tongue twister, Yucca Hickamikadola. Easy. There, sing my tune, and Hickamaka Rockadakalola, and SW Wild. Okay, Tom, now let's just take another careful run at it. Sixth, about six lengths off the lead, and then it's Dicka Hakamaka Rockadola. Well, third time, that'll be the charm. Tune is now fading, by Home Room Jester, and the trailer is Dola Rola Rola Rakadaka Molahola. 
Jeez. That's funny. It's probably someone's like grandma's name or something. And yeah. You just and super disgrace them. NBC got sued. Mike, not a yeah. cat, but a llama. That's true for sure. That is definitely true. <laughs> Drew, Galileo being star. False. Correct. You guys are really on it. Mike, Diddler's Delight. Oh, jeez. False. Correct. Drew, the wife doesn't know. True. True. Oh, you had to be true. Mike, Ketamina. Oh, my God. False. True. No way. Drew, tomorrow's brisket. Oh, dude, true. <laughs> and that's your first wrong one. Yeah. Uh, Mike, Rotten Shagger. Ooh, I'm going false. Correct. Drew. You like, like the word shag too much. I love the word. <laughs> that is true. That was a good tell. We're tied at 4-4, right? Yes. Drew. Okay, mm-hmm. Flat drunk. Flat drunk? Flat drunk. True. True. Mike. Emotionally distant father. Going false. Correct. Ready. Oh no, it's my mother-in-law. Hmm. False. It is true. And I Damn. have a clip. Horse people hate their mother-in-laws. Mother's-in-law? Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably why they're horse people. Mm. Don't tell your parents that. <laughs> yeah. I love you guys as horse. Everyone, it's everyone else. <laughs> they're off. Oh no, it's my mother-in-law's going to the lead, but there goes Cocktail Attire. Out for the lead. Oh no, it's my mother-in-law runs second early on the corner. Oh no, it's my mother-in-law full out, still a length behind. One furlong to go. It's Cocktail Attire, and oh no, it's my mother-in-law. Cocktail Attire holding on tenaciously. Oh no, it's my mother-in-law, and oh no, it's my mother-in-law won't go away. Oh no, it's my mother-in-law. One by a neck over Cocktail Attire by the back. Grand Finesse and Pleasant Song. Cocktail Attire definitely won that. That's the same guy. Tom Durkin. Nice. Drew. Uh-huh. Hansy Hoofer. Oh, man. Dude, that's a fucking horse person joke. Absolutely true. Incorrect. Damn, oh, I'm going to name my horse that. <laughs> Mike. Flat Fleet Feet. Drew. Correct. <laughs> Drew. Midnight yep. Loot. Midnight flute. Midnight loot. Midnight loot. Midnight loot. True. Correct. <laughs> Mike. Corn pie with cheese and crackers. Going true. <laughs> Incorrect. Fucking hell. Drew. Panty <laughs> raid. You say panty raid? Yes. Oh god. That's a stumper. Um. Jesus Christ. I am false. I have, to go, I, have to, I have to say false. It's false. Incorrect. God damn it. Uh, I was hoping for a better I, world. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, both yeah. of the D's nuts. Oh, my God. All of my life's work is coming down to this one moment. True. True. Mike, for a <laughs> special yeah. second parter, can you answer me this? Is he castrated? Mm, currently? Currently. Currently. He, no. Ooh, he is yeah, yeah. demonstrated. Both of these nuts. Should have gone yes. Drew, 9-11, never forget. False. Please. You are correct. Nice. Damn. Whew. I totally thought that was going to be never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Elon Musk Tang. Oh, my God. Um, 
How many horse people have Teslas? That's what this comes down to. I'm going to go false. Correct. Good for you, Mike. Drew, your last one. Oh, fuck. Wait, so I'm down by two, right? Yes. But Mike did get the extra point wrong. So if you get this right and Mike gets the next one wrong, I'll give it to you. That sounds rigged. Well, you didn't know both of these nuts weren't castrated, Mike. That's the consequence. Thanks, mm. David Stern. Are we are we drinking, boys? Those are clearly we sure are. that we're drinking. Drew. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that fight, And Mike gets this wrong. Mike has to chug the beer. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're asking me, yes, that sounds great. All right. I like how I'm in the lead, but I still have to chug a beer somehow. You shut up. <laughs> it doesn't matter if Drew gets this wrong. Drew. Mm. How's it spelled? A-R-R-R-R-R-R-R. Mm. Drew. Correct. Nice. nice. Yeah. And there is a clip. I knew there'd be a clip for that. <laughs> I knew there would be a clip. Inside, it's Feline fell in fourth. In the middle of the track is... Arg! Coming down to the final 16th, it is Stan Pat in front. Arg! 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 In front, coming down to the wire. They're coming to the finish, and it's all. Arg! Oh my God. <laughs> he really didn't have to put his whole heart into that, but he did. Yeah. He definitely threw in a G, too. Yeah. Like he made it Arg. Yeah. Mike, for all of the marbles. You get this right, you win the game. Okay. You get this wrong, Drew has to read Kentucky Derby facts to you while you finish your beer. <laughs> that was some ASM. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. All right, Mike, for a million dollars, Maine's Maine, Maine. The first one is spelled Maine the state. The second one, Maine the only one. And third one, the luscious mane of hair. True. Incorrect. Damn. That I was thought a good that one was definitely that real. Was a good yeah. I have a background in horse girls, and I think that that one would have fit in at any horse show. So how? So I have to chug my beer. You have to chug your beer while Drew reads you Kentucky Derby facts. Okay. I think that was going to happen either way, so I'm ready for it. No, you just wait right there. No, I'll tell you when. <laughs> I don't like when he gets like this. The Kentucky Derby started in 1875, and it's the longest-running sporting event in the United States. The inaugural Derby winner was a horse named Aristides, who was ridden by a black jockey, Oliver Lewis, and was also trained by a black horse trainer, Ansel Williamson. That's inclusive. Ansel Williamson, who trained Aristides, was born a slave, and Aristides won the Derby when he was 69 years old. Nice. Nice. 15 of the first 28 Kentucky Derbies were won by black jockeys. Six of the first 17 winners were won by trained shit. Yeah, were won by horses trained by black trainers. That's, this is not my beer. No, yeah, no, go ahead, though, but you're still chugging. We got two more fun facts. This one doesn't have a spider on it. Two more. Keep going. Derbies became popular and transitioned. No, we're going to wait. <laughs> oh. Derbies became popular and transitioned to an upper-class sporting event in the early 1900s. After 1921, there were no black jockeys competing in the Kentucky Derby, and that trend did not end until the year 2000 when Marlon St. Julian rode Q Rule and came in seventh place. Why are you not drinking? This shit's like root beer. (laughs) Fucking hell. I think I got every other word of those facts. What'd you learn? Now we have to do a comprehension quiz. Um, black jockeys, 69 years old, uh, mm, upper class, early 1900s. He was a trainer. 
Well, the first one was a black jockey and a black trainer, right? No, no, no. The first one was was the jockey. The second one was the trainer. Oh, I thought they were the same person. Nope. Well, you try and hear facts while you're chugging straight honey out of a beer can. Well, actually, the jockey was 19. Oh, so it was a 19-year-old jockey and a 69-year-old trainer? Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds more realistic. I thought it was a 69-year-old jockey. I was going to say, oh, Jesus dude, Christ, did, Grandpa. Did you had to ride a horse. Have you ever ridden a horse? Oh, well, yeah, of course you have. Yeah, yeah, no. Have you ever ridden a horse while not knowing how to ride a horse? Oh, yeah, all the time. I okay. forget so easily. Yeah, because like what you got to do, oh, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you're a, a horse guy. But, you know, when your horse is fucking... <clears throat> nice. When your horse is trotting, uh, what I've been taught is that you basically have to, like, stand up so your ass is not, like, sitting on the horse. Because when the horse is trotting, like, you're going to bounce up and down. Mm-hmm. And if you're just sitting there, you're going to bounce on the horse. And it's, like, going to be like your ass is getting slammed right against that saddle. And it's no good, dude. It, it, it does not feel good. Learn that one on my own. That is true. I'll tell you what. After drinking all that honey beer, the back of my mouth has this kind of slimy, syrupy consistency. Mm. Kind of like I just sprayed it with a, a sore throat solution. Um, it's not pleasant. I've so. also been backwashing like a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> You think I ingested some of your Adderall? <laughs> Mm. This is very good B-roll. We are moving on. Nice. I think we've got to just make a decision at some point to make our B-roll or A-roll and just have the actual content be the transitions and just make this a banter podcast. Here's some B-roll for you. I'm going to Uber eat some shark fin soup. (laughs) Who came up with this guy? (laughs) If you have a horse, you have a father. That's true. Oh, I need to be produced. Are we ready? I believe so. Michael? Oh, Mike's peeing. So I guess not. The B-roll is the A-roll, gentlemen. I'm opening my third beer. I'm what, unhinged. What's the Cheez-It situation around here? Cheez-Its? None. Mm. We have tortilla chips. Um, is this the impromptu snack review? Oh, fuck. You want to go downstairs? Oh, I was going to get us popcorn. Oh, should we go Should we go grab a snack? Ugh. <laughs> okay. God, that, that beer is thick, dude. It is. It is like drinking like, a honey smoothie, like a milkshake. Yeah, it's, it's a little milky, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. I think the can is telling us to drink it with turkey and ice cream. No, it is not. I'm not even joking. Do you I'm have not, any turkey? That's a turkey, and that is an ice cream cone. That is a turkey. That's got it. If you were looking at it sideways, you are looking no. Yeah. Oh, that is a turkey. that is a turkey for our viewers who can't see this can. I'm hyped up, so I'm not gonna wait. <laughs> I think I almost threw up. Yeah, that was that was rough. Uh, our the cans of this beer have icons like you would see on any beer or wine for a recommendation of what to pair it with. But the only two icons are an entire Thanksgiving turkey and an ice cream cone. Uh, are we doing that, a podcast? That's right all now? I had to say. <laughs> <laughs> now back to football. Nice. We're not friends in real life. We're for the podcast. He goes to a different school. <laughs> you wouldn't know. Her. He's engaged. I'm the other woman. Okay. Notice how he went from, I want 15 minutes of this to, let's get this over with. Yeah, quickly. come on. <laughs> uh, do you want me recording this part? There you go. All right. <clears throat> Is this called The Gamblers? Like, am I reading it like it says on the script? No, you're doing it just how we just talked about right then. Damn, I was, I was thinking about that recording joke.
Welcome back to this episode of Slam Drunk. This is the Gamblers with Truck Stop Honey. Ooh. Oh. These beers got some spider eggs on them still. Anyways, in this segment, we're going to talk about our different experiences gambling all around the world. Some would say on cruises. Some would say in Philadelphia. Some would say online. I might be betting on horses like right this second and the WNBA and the MLB. We love technology. Anyways, Mike? <laughs> yes. <All right. laughs> Anyways, Mike, have you ever heard this gambling tip and or trick? No. How are we not uh, <laughs> you know, getting real ads put on our show yet? <laughs> Anyways, tip slash trick number one. You just got to feel it, dude. When you're betting, you got to feel it. All right. Now, there's two and a half options for feeling it. Okay, it's just like setting your fantasy football lineup. There's only two and a half ways to do it. Now, the first one is to trust your gut. Just this is what I think. Boom, here it goes. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. And the second one is to absolutely overthink the shit out of it and like go to sleep thinking about, you know, who am I going to put in a wide receiver this week? Like the matchup's pretty good, but this guy's a piece of shit. Anyways, I think it's best to do both when you're gambling. Because when you're gambling, there's not really a limit on what you can and can't do. So I say put one bet in trusting your gut and put one bet in where you're overthinking everything. And so that's part B of tip number one is that the more that you gamble, the more likely you are to win. That is mathematically impossible to disprove. Take it away, Mike. You got any tips and tricks? I think the best advice I ever received was in New Orleans. In 2018, Og will remember, we were celebrating his birthday. It was me, my wonderful girlfriend, Maddie, our friend Carlin, and Og himself, the producer of this show. We went to the Hard Rock Casino in New Orleans, and we weren't exactly sure how to put money into the machine. No, we got, we got money in the machine. We weren't exactly sure what we were doing wrong because we weren't winning. So we asked this kind lady who was about three feet tall sitting at a fucking giant touchscreen slot machine. We said, can you explain to us how this all works? You look like a veteran. And she said, and I'll never forget this advice, get the fuck away from me. And I have, I have rode with that logic through every bet I've ever made, hit or lost. And I would like to thank her, but we never got her name. Yeah, I would say including yourself, people in casinos are not typically people you want to be hanging out with. Don't talk to them. Just mind your business. I will say at that hard rock, that's where I discovered that you can drink for free as long as you gamble. And it doesn't matter how much you gamble. Although Drew and I kind of broke that rule when we went to the hard rock in Philly after that Eagles game that you heard last week and found that they only had tables open for a minimum of like $25. And we were not willing to put down that money just to drink for free. So what did we do? We went to the bar, we sat down and we drank ourselves silly off of PB&J shots for some reason. I think we spent more money on PB&J shots than we would have on actual bets. Yeah, that's probably true. But, you know, Mike, I'm going to go ahead and fucking just, you know, go off here a little bit uh, with what you're saying. Sure. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Seven minutes uh, left. Oh, okay. Free drinks, free drinks, free drinks. Okay. So here's, here's a tip, tip and a trick. If you're trying to get free drinks, Go to a 24-hour casino, drink a coffee or fucking whatever beforehand, and go gamble at 3, 4, 5, 6 in the morning because you're going to get the most free drinks that you're ever going to get at a casino because nobody else is there. Um, And then maybe on your way back to the elevator, you know, a prostitute will solicit um, sex from you, and you say no because you're a man of principle. That's just like the novel Catcher in the Rye. 
Never uh, read it. <laughs> and that's true. <laughs> Speaking of advice, if you ever fly into the Las Vegas airport, as I have for a connection to Los Angeles twice, the only place that you can smoke in an airport in the U.S. that I know of is in the slots room of the Las Vegas airport. Nobody cares in there. Automatic sliding glass doors. You you enter the the doors part when they sense your presence, and a waft of smoke goes out that TSA just doesn't care about. People are just lighting up cigarettes, no ashtrays. There's cigarettes all over the linoleum floor while people are hitting the slots. There's also slots at every gate. I, sometimes I fly just so I can smoke in the Las Vegas lounge. <laughs> yeah, I guess also a pro tip for casinos, bring your own vape or cigarettes. You know, I mean, just like they say, wear a condom when you're banging. When you're going to a casino, smoke your own cigs, smoke your own vapes. Dude, those people are not good people. You're going to get something. One thing I wanted to highlight is before the Eagles game that Drew and I went to, we were putting down some bets because we were in Pennsylvania where betting is legal, unlike Florida. Change your ways, Florida. Yep, sportsbook. And one bet that Drew found that particularly enticed us was, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was $2 down for a safety occurring in every single game on a given weekend to win $2 trillion, which I think is enough money to bankrupt the entire world. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it definitely was right around there, $2 trillion, and it definitely was a safety in every single NFL game. I think you could probably reach out to the NFL players and, you know, I mean, is it collusion? Sure. But, okay. I mean, there's a lot of that going on in this country, you know? So it may as well be me, and it may as well be for trillions of dollars. If you got $2 trillion and they transferred it over to you right quick automatically and they didn't have enough time to freeze it, you could absolutely pollute as much as you wanted. Like you could promise the players, I'm going to get the money and you get a billion here, a billion there, a billion there. And that's, they just can't stop you at that point because you can buy actual countries with trillions of dollars. I would, I would buy aliens if I had trillions of dollars. But anyways, moving past that, uh, as far as like colluding on, on sports and stuff, do you remember the NBA game where they, they didn't close the bets on a player after it had been announced that he was injured and wasn't going to be playing that night? And so everyone went online and took the under on his points because he wasn't going to play. And, you know, fan, I assume it was FanDuel. They were a bunch of fucking idiots and they didn't close the bets. So a bunch of people were able to make that bet like right before the game started. I think that they honored the payouts. They fucking should have. But um, people were talking about that maybe there was a chance that they wouldn't. Although the NBA probably has the shadiest background with gambling of any pro sports league. I think his name was Donahue. He was a referee for the NBA from the 80s to the early 2000s. And he got caught up in a huge scandal and was fired. Fun fact, he sent his daughter to the same preschool as me in Pennsylvania. And so all the parents of that preschool knew him. And he actually gifted the preschool like a signed NBA jersey. And everyone thought it was wonderful. Like, wow, this NBA referee, that's awesome. And then it came out a year later that he had fixed tons of games that decided like terrible outcomes for all sorts of teams and won a bunch of money and went to prison for a long time. If the Montessori school of Glen Mills, Pennsylvania is listening, I would love to get my hands on that Jersey. That would be awesome. Nice. And let's keep going with the NBA because actually we just started talking about um, how we were in Philly and we were betting on uh, we, we were betting on the NFL and then learned that thing about the safeties. Um, and I don't know if you remember, Mike, but after that, we discovered parlays okay. and we went to the Sixers game. We went to the Wells Fargo Center and we started making some parlays. And I had a five leg parlay that I put in a dollar fifty on and one leg didn't hit. So let me go ahead and walk you through those legs real fast, because I had five legs. One leg didn't hit and it was fucking close. OK, 
So let, let me just set the scene here. Mike and I are at the Sixers Knicks game at the Wells Fargo Center uh, with his mom and dad. A shit ton of the Sixers players were out with COVID, including uh, I don't know if Simmons was already doing his thing by then. Probably he, then. With he was old. already doing his thing. Yeah, he was. was already, fuck you, Ben Simmons. It was before um, James Harden. After Simmons had checked out, it was Embiid and the boys. Yep. Uh, no, Embiid wasn't even playing. Oh, he wasn't playing. Nope. Embiid was out. I think he actually came out with COVID like that day. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, that's and why he who's like who's the guy that your mom likes? Tyrese Max. Tyrese. Yeah. No, 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 oh. no, no. Feinbold, Matisse. Oh, Matisse yeah. wasn't playing. Yeah. Embiid wasn't playing. Oh, that's right. Um, was Harden just... wasn't there yet. Simmons yeah. wasn't playing because you know, fuck him. Uh, and so the Knicks tore away with that game in the beginning, and we yeah. had Knicks fans behind us that were just shouting "Bing Bong" right, right in our ears. Bing Bong. Terrible. Um, anyways, okay, so that was the situation. So the starting five were fucking Corkmaz, Danny Green, Andre Drummond, Tyrese Maxey, and Seth Curry. So, you know, as much as of a of a Sixers fan as I am, even though I'm new, fuck you, Trev, complain about it. Um, I put a dollar fifty on this this parlay. Here are the five legs. Leg one, the Knicks win. That one hit. Leg two, Julius Randle has over 22 and a half points. He had 31 points. Hit. Leg three, Tyrese Maxey over 15 and a half points. He had 16 points. Hit. Andre Drummond over 14 and a half rebounds. Do you remember how many fucking rebounds he had in that game? 18. 25 rebounds. It was ridiculous. Okay. Anyways, that was the fourth. Like that one definitely fucking hit. I should have got a bonus on that one. And then the (laughs) last one, Seth Curry over 16 and a half points. He had 14 points. And that was the one that caused the parlay to hit. Or sorry, to miss. Um, and so that that single thing cost me fifty dollars and forty seven cents, which is um, bullshit. Because Seth Curry, if I were looking at that bet right now, I would I would choose Seth Curry going over sixteen point five points when Embiid is out when when mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. when there's no Harden when there's no Simmons when there's no when everyone's out with COVID. I would choose Seth Curry going for like six threes and hitting on that part of the parlay over anything else exactly yeah and a bunch of the stuff you know i mean at the end of the day it just wasn't falling um so i think i remember that though because seth kept hitting bricks and you kept like looking like you were going to throw yourself off the top of the wells fargo center yep and i remember fucking drummond hit his i let me see i had over 14 and a half rebounds he hit that shit like before halftime i think like it was (laughs) nuts um but anyways that was a good bet i think that's probably the only time i bet on the nba um except for the wnba uh bets that i have sitting in FanDuel right now but we'll get to that later we'll hear more about match fixing and sports gambling in our next segment with aug and his special anonymous guest flamingo lingo Goodell, fuck you and stay tuned to the end of the episode where you can listen to a special interview with Mike's Mama Spider. Do you or a loved one suffer from going to a casino and not getting enough free drinks? Absolutely. Have you ever bet too much money without being properly compensated in alcohol? Yes. Do you ever feel that you just would really hit on a bet if you could get one more Jack Daniels? Unquestionably. Well, good news for you. 
With the new iRobot following you around waiter drink service at the Hard Rock Casinos at all participating locations, you won't be able to leave our AI operated robot site without getting offered a fucking free drink. Nice, that sounds pretty good. What kind of drinks does it come with? It comes with all house wells, wines, draft beers, but no imports because we don't do that commie shit at the Hard Rock Casino. That's true. The hard rock is about rock and roll, which we all know is exclusively rich in American history. It's a domestic beer for a domestically operated casino for domestic music lovers. And if you come during a concert and don't bet, our iRobot will find you. And the fine blades that it uses to clean the floors are going to attach to your face and tear the skin off of your body and the bodies of all of your loved ones. Nice. And as someone who spends probably too much time in casinos, I know that every single casino, except for the walkways, and maybe also the walkways, is carpet. It's always carpet. Under the tables, under the slots, everything is carpet, so they need those little fucking cleaning robots anyways. And it may as well bring me a fucking drink. Introducing the new Hard Rock iRobot non-carpet hard floor cleaner. We're going to mop the floor with the dust and also you if you don't order another fucking drink at the poker table you piece of shit is that good for a short commercial or should we keep going last year while Og was in wales he recorded an interview with an expert in open source investigation with specific experiences in sports gambling Og's friend asked to remain anonymous so whenever you hear this beep that's Og giving away his identity fuck you Og. They settled on calling this mysterious guest Flamingo Lingo after their favorite beer at Beer Rift Brewing in the Swansea Marina in Wales. They were there from to so go check out uh, Beer Rift Brewing and ask them for the receipts from that time and find a Flamingo Lingo. You'll be able to figure them out. Uh, enjoy. What's unique about Welsh beers? Like, I don't know, this is a UK-wide thing, but I'm a, I really don't like the ales, like the, the pump ales that you get at pubs. They're warm, and I know it's like it's a cultural thing that they absolutely love them here, but I love beer riff because it's a craft brewery that we have, like in the US or back home. So it's, and like they're popular here now, but I'm not a fan of the, uh, the warm ale culture. I picked up on the warm ale too, and we talked about this, and I was like, no way, is it? I thought I was like having a conspiracy theory moment of like, is it actually just kind of warmer over here? Do they like it like that? But maybe that's just the difference. They want to taste the tastes more. Well, it's a running joke for Aussies. Like if you talk to someone back home who's come back from the UK, they're like, oh, how's your warm beer? What's the difference in the drinking culture between Wales and, and Australia? I think we like more lower alcohol beers. Like Aussies drink as well. Just like I think the Welsh act drink is. I'll be honest. But like when you're sitting on a beach, you don't want to be smashing like a heap of high strength beers. You're probably going to be sitting on like a four X or um, oh, like a, a Tui's extra or something like that. That's a bit more sessionable, not as hoppy. Whereas here, it's it's not hot. So like I don't know. You're inside. You're drinking heavier beers. That kind of thing. Talk to me about some of the art that you like at Beer Riff. It's got a specific style, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like, it's almost pop arty. Like... It is. I don't know. It's, it's, Bright colors. Very skate-related. Very, like... I mean, it's called Beer Riff, so there's that, that music vibe to it. Yeah. Um, I think the logo's even got, like, a lightning bolt that's reminiscent of a, a riff on a guitar. And there's a guitar, a broken guitar right in front of us. And there's a piece also, of art. like, a... 
what looks to be a jug of beer behind us with its well, it's given the peace sign. Um, it's got a sick mustache. It does. November. November. Yeah. Tell me, hold on, quickly. Tell me about your November progress. So I've not, I've not participated in a fundraiser this year, which I, I, I mean, I would have had I been back home and joined a team. But um, I don't know the first of November, I just shaved everything off. And um, what day are we on now? The and I'd say I've got a reasonably good mo. Like there's a. It's a. It's definitely a pronounced mo. Yeah, it needs a bit of shaping. It's a bit of a, a rough mo, but um, being visible. I'm glad you feel seen. <laughs> I'm gonna feel seen with this podcast. That's for sure. <laughs> okay, not if we obscure your yeah. name. <laughs> By the way, what is your alias mystery name, mystery guest that we have on tonight? Oh my god, I wish you'd asked me this before. I did. Yeah, yeah, but I'm gonna give you a... Uh, no, tell me what you said before. Don't hide oh, from it. what, Witness X. Witness, we have Witness X here at <laughs> Beer Riff. I'll really. think of a better one between when this gets published and now. I like Witness X, I think you might be stuck with it for, for a little bit. <laughs> what about Flamingo Lingo? Flamingo Lingo, Monsieur Flamingo, Monsieur Flamingo Lingo. So Monsieur Flamingo Mingo. Why are you here? What specialty are you bringing to the pod tonight? So, I understand the pod to be intersectional in nature. Um, but no, my I believe what I'm being um, why I'm being brought onto this podcast is to talk about my experience in how you can use open sources to conduct investigations. So, my background is in open source intelligence and analysis, and I think the podcast has a very specific focus that you want to hear about. Well, uh, how does that relate? to sports, this open source analysis that you speak of? So it's a very cross-jurisdictional process. Um, open source investigations are, can be used quite well to uh, investigate alleged match fixing or corruption in sport. A lot of the investigations being done by police or by um, private sector organizations rely on um, open source content for this kind of work. What a teaser to get into our larger conversation coming up next. That's their right. They can be. We're doing something in a bar. They're doing something in a bar. You're burping in a bar. And it's, it's freaking a, me out. Okay, so I just had a marvelous burp that unfortunately wasn't caught on camera. But don't worry. I'll keep drinking my coffee milk stout and I'll get another good burp in. Yeah. But said that it was weird that I was burping at a bar. What the fuck's up with that? You're supposed to. You're drinking beer, so you're supposed to be taking it all in and and letting it out at the bar. I I I don't know. Maybe I was just like. I don't know, burping in public? It was like, maybe I was, I don't know, taught differently. Oh, you were raised better. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I just come from this, like, privileged background. No, 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 <laughs> totally not that. I don't know. Just, I've just never done it. But, um, don't worry, if I get drunk enough, I'll, I'll, I'll join in the fun. Yeah, give it a try. Yeah, yeah. Let loose well, You're buying the beers, so this I'm is I'm buying the beers from, well, it's our favorite bar. It's a cause that I care about. Burping? No, beer riff. Oh, I love good. beer. Yeah, very good. We, good it's a family, <laughs> I, I forget if we said before, but it's a family-run bar. And I feel like every single time we come here, a different combination of the family is working, and we kind of get to yeah. know them a little better, right? Yeah, yeah. Can you paint a picture of the area of the world that we are going to be traveling to today? 
so I think I'm, I'm going to try my best to speak in general terms because I'll be honest, I think my experience in investigating this did focus on a certain area of the world, but it's also quite widespread. I mean, transnational crimes are not bound by specific areas of the world, but by their nature, they travel borders. Shout out Professor Birch taught me that in college. <laughs> um, I think we'll predominantly speak about um, the history of match fixing from my, I would say, basic understanding from Southeast Asia. But some of the examples I might talk about too even come from, from the UK, where which had a massive, um, probably some of the most notable cases of match fixing in the past, I don't know, several decades. I kind of remember when they exactly happened. So you say match fixing. Is that a fancy word for illegally gambling and profiting off of the backs of people who are tanking and fixing matches? What, what does that mean? It's, I don't know, it could be like an umbrella term in a sense because like match fixing is the act of doing so, but there's another act, another verb there, which is the actual placing of the bet. So, and both of them kind of occur in combination, I'd say. I mean, one of the most famous examples occurred here in the UK where um, a group of individuals uh, attempted to fix a match and the result they were looking for wasn't forthcoming. What does that mean? So I think in this instance, they were attempting to pay off a player to let in goals or they were attempting, they paid off a certain player to just perform poorly so that they were they would lose but what was happening was the other players outperformed the one they'd paid off and they realized that all the money they put on this match they were going to lose because the outcome they intended wasn't going to happen so then they relied upon this old old rule that if the power was cut and there was no visibility then the match would be stopped immediately and all bets would be refunded so then they cut the power they found a way to actually shut off the power supply system to the stadium and i understand if you can't tell me this but who is the they in that situation uh, they cut the power. They the they was the people attempting to fix the match. So are these people, organizations, governments? How high up does this go? This, in this instance, I believe it was a, a group of individuals. I suppose you could call a syndicate. Um, it was a, it was a group of individuals acting for a common purpose. This was not a government or a business as such. And now I'm really thinking to myself, I need to make sure that all of this is open source, that it's all kind of... I'm sure there's a book about this, so I'll, um, I'll double-check my notes afterwards. Thanks, Professor. Yeah, yeah. Can I get Don't some get extra me. credit tutoring after as well? Don't get a, a quote on me here. So, is there a scary bookie like there is in the movies? Like, I feel like the bookie is the one coming after people, capping knees. Is there a bookie that the bets are going through? Or is because there are these crime syndicates, it looks a little different? Well, I think the thing is regulation prevents this from occurring. So when you're operating in, let's just, as an example, we'll talk about a country like Australia that has... What about America? Well, we'll talk about America. Well, I actually, I don't know that much about America's individual state legislation because I think it really differs with betting on sports, state by state, right? Yeah, it does. In Australia, it's not so much the case. Pretty much across all the states, you can gamble on sport legally, but it's heavily regulated, and that includes the bookmakers that can operate within the nation or within the specific state. A method through which a match fixer would attempt to fix a match, they need a market. So what they would be looking for is a bookmaker that would offer odds on obscurity. So even more so than who wins the toss at the start of the game, but who gets the uh, the third goal in the second half at exactly, I don't know, a certain, a certain point of the match, a certain number of minutes, you know? So very obscure odds that a reputable bookmaker would never offer. So you mentioned understanding the audience of who is making these bets, your market. Can you tell me about some of the juicier markets you see right now to get into? 
juicier markets. Yeah, what, what can I just sink my gambling teeth into? Well, historically, and I think it holds true to this day, is that football, soccer, is still the most... European football. Well, yeah, I think for your audience, they'll, they'll consider it European football. Thank here you. in the UK, they call it soccer. Back home... Oh, no, they call it football here in the UK. Back home, we call it soccer. Oh, you said football. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's definitely soccer. That's what we call it. So what sport would you say is the easiest to make money through? For the layman who doesn't know much about the gambling scheme... I want to make money betting tomorrow, based on your open source intelligence experience. I, I, I honestly, I don't feel like I could. There's no possible answer to that because the people who attempt to fix this have an in-depth knowledge of the sport in which they're fixing. So, the layman, unless they're just going to go and try to pay off the goalie in a in your local pub. Local uh, local league where everyone's betting at the pub. Like, fair enough, that's an upregulated market. It's definitely match fixing, but no bookmaker is going to offer odds on that. Um, but, but funnily enough, once you get into some of the higher tiers, even we'll say in states in Australia and some of their leagues, odds are offered on those almost like park league matches. And I think that that's that's an opportunity for corruption. And how much money do you think is enough money to start raising red flags? Like, how, if I won a million euros, is that enough to start raising a red flag? Or yeah. does it need to be more than that? Well, I mean, the data tells you everything with these things. And I don't think it's about millions of euros. I mean, say if you're comparing the amount of money bet on a match from uh, week to week and there's a massive spike, then that's going to set off an algorithmic alarm bell. But on the topic of money, I think it's important to to remember that when you, say, attempt to pay off a player, say a goalie just for this instance, to let in a few extra goals in the second half um, right towards the end because of a bet that you've placed, the opportunity for that arises when that goalie's not being paid enough in their regular role as the goalie. So if players are to engage in this misconduct, usually there's, well, there, there would be a reason as to why they're not getting paid enough, you know? So they're, they're, they're looking for alternative sources of income there. <laughs> That's a great point. I never thought about that. Yeah, I mean, if you're just a, a park footy player who gets paid, what, 100 bucks a game, and then someone comes up and offers you $2,000 let in a few goals, well, you've got an incentive to actually lose the match. Does it all boil down to socioeconomics? Uh, Professor X, Unit X, what's your name? Flamingo Lingo. Flamingo Lingo. <laughs> uh, I, I think if the opportunity is there and it's identifiable, that's when it's exploited. But it would also be very hard to convince a, um, a sporting body in a state or a, or a nation to pay their lowest league an exorbitant amount of money just to stop them from being corrupt, just to stop them from losing matches for a couple of extra thousand euros or a couple of thousand US dollars every other week. Am I going too fast with the answers? No, you're, I mean, you're very succinct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm a hard interviewee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You are, you are answering I'm a lot One beer in, man. Like, one okay. beer in. I'm well, going to grab another one. Yeah, let's slam this together, see if we can get any burps out of us right here. Let's cheers. I'm not burping. Well, we'll see about that. Burp. We'll slam it, and we'll move on. For the record, I, I slammed that. I'd say exponentially quicker than August did. I had more than you. You had a half pint, and I was drinking a full pint. It was a coffee milk <laughs> stout. This is right. a sophisticated beer, not meant for the chug. For the record, this needs to go in the podcast. It will go in the podcast. <laughs> my me standing up for my the time Civil that rights? it takes no. me. That's a different speech. That's yeah, a different. <laughs> that's the hill you die on. <laughs> <laughs>
The Hill He Climbs will be out November 22nd by Flamingo Lingo, detailing the open source life of a disgraced UN investigator. <laughs> disgraced. <laughs> also available on iTunes. <laughs> and Audible. Yeah, yeah. This is Audible. All right, let's start with a clink of the beers because we started a new round. What did you get us this round? Um, I, got, I got myself the IPA, um, and I can't remember the name of it. It's The designs are sick on the on the tap logos as well. They kind of mimic the art, actually, in the in beer with. 100%. And I, yours is sour, and I tried it beforehand, and it's super acidic. And I think it's, it's, it's kind of it's nice, you know? I got you a half because I think it's a, it's a bit much for a full pint. Only, and I know that you don't like a, a full pint. Well, it ha- gets my throat all wispy, and I, yeah, I, have a, yeah. I have a podcasting career to look after. Yeah, very good. But everyone knows the best thing to follow a chocolate coffee stout with is a sour. So. Yeah, that's a fruity sour at that. Yeah. So that's basically like those two drinks together is Christmas. I like it. It's kind of like Kool-Aid with a kick, I'd say. And you just missed me burping under my breath. There wasn't a burp. There was, there was a solid you'd be blow kicked out from you'd, my stomach. You'd be kicked out of any American, God willing, American bar with a burp like that. Last time I was in an American bar, I was in Vegas, and that was an experience. We're on to gambling, so... Oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Flamingo Lingo, tell us about gambling in Vegas. Who did you bet on? What did you bet on? You can bet on anything in Vegas. Dude, I was sitting at the roulette tables. That's all I was doing there. I'll be, I'll be completely honest. Um, and I was doing really low bets because I needed to keep bringing me drinks so uh, free drinks at free drinks. all the casinos and just like solid tips like just margaritas on margarita and like what I, I don't know what a, a good tip is in the US like I'm not I'm not from the US obviously but like you just swing the uh, the bartender or the the waiter the waiter waitress like a fiver for every drink for um, every drink you're a generous tipper my these friend. were big margaritas and I was like cooked <laughs> after three so for me that was just a great deal how do you play roulette um, you just look at the colour and choose. I was doing colour, I was doing red or black. And I remember going upstairs quite crestfallen because I'd lost like 200 Australian dollars, which wasn't that bad. It's what, 100, 100 US? Uh, like, like 130 US? Yeah, nothing. It's I mean, not nothing. But you gotta be prepared to lose that type of money when you go to Vegas, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but the amount of fun I had there, it was worth it. So I probably wouldn't go back to Vegas though. It's, it's quite hedonistic. It is hedonistic. The yeah. guys, they're gonna talk about on their segment, they actually went to Vegas part of the gambling episode. Yeah, yeah. And they left uh, feeling like richer, wiser men of the heart. Not of the wallet? <laughs> Not of the pocket. Yeah, good. Before we get too off track, I do want to plug the Beer Riff glasses. Oh, yeah? You can go to any bar in Swansea, Wales, and you will find Beer Riff glasses at that bar. Well, it's sick because, like, from my memory, it's the only major craft brewery in town. Like, yeah. there's no other breweries in town that aren't doing those traditional Welsh ales or those traditional UK I was like maybe they do them here but we stick to kind of like what we would consider craft beers what they got cooking in the kitchen downstairs yeah yeah um, so you go to anywhere that's sort of fucking chain like you got Green Kings you got Brains you got Fullers you got Weatherspoons Slugs and Lettuces these yeah. great names of bars that are just knockoff shit chains and you go from here to Cardiff and then across to Bristol and the like Queen Street in Cardiff is the same as Wine Street here in Swansea they're just yeah. the same chains and it's yeah. so like it's sick to find a place like this that's in 
independent, making great beers with a great vibe. And then, I mean, you've got other places like in Newport, you've got Tiny Rebel, which is a sick, like, Welsh craft brewery. It's killer. It's good to find these gems. Can I ask the interviewer a question? Of course you can. That's so kind of you. What have you loved most about Swansea? Everyone's going to know who the fuck I am, honestly. (laughs) Here I am, Flamingo Lingo. uh... And I've said your name 18 times. I'll beat them out, obviously. (laughs) I've loved walking around Swansea, honestly. It's a great place to just kind of get lost in your own head, walking. There's nothing else to look at. I mean, (laughs) we're right on the bay. It is gorgeous. Like, we're right on the water. Right now, Beer Riff, honestly, it's one of my favorite beers because it overlooks part of the marina. The people are pretty cool. It's not a diverse crowd, but, you know, it's a lovely crowd nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. The Welsh are incredibly nice. It's like, The Welsh are so fucking nice. Everyone's been so welcoming, kind, and the best example is Beer Riff, where they yeah. really did just kind of take us in. And we literally, like, we brought the t-shirts that we've been, like, wanting to get for months, and they just gave us these sick free hats. So, like, the, the, solid, cool snapbacks. With the buckle! Yeah, yeah! A hat with a buckle, man. The thing I love most about Swansea is definitely living in the marina. Yeah. Our college that these guys with the podcasts... We come from like this university where our college was right on the water too. So like literally on the beach, we could take out kayaks, paddle boards, and Swansea University was right on the water too. And it has like the option to paddle board in this awesome bay, the second most receding body of water in the world, mind you. Just a little cool fact we picked up day one. Yep. I'd say the major difference though between the university that you went to for your undergrad and like kind of where I was from in Australia is that you could go paddleboarding and kayaking because it wasn't so fucking cold. We're definitely heat spoiled boys. Yeah, I would say. Hot, some might say. Yeah, yeah. Legit, toasty. Radiating hotness and (laughs) and ambiance. Welcome back, everyone. Yeah, do it. Lead this pod. No, I'm basically on a, on a liter of liter and a half of beer right now. So August has uh, well and truly lubricated me. All right, let's cheers let's, uh, this third <laughs> round. Cheers the third round of beer cheers. beers. Cheers. Just, uh, I've got a sour again. The rudder. The, cool. the ruddy rudder. Yeah. yeah. I'm on the same as before. The, oh no, the IPA. Did we introduce that one before? The IPA. Also, my, previous, my previous comment was way up for interpretation. I'm so sorry. What? On your August sensuality? Oh, oh. No, 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 no. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Alright, let's just drink some more. <laughs> um, Flamingo Lingo. Yeah. Namaste. Okay, Flamingo Lingo. How would two drunken bearded sports fans go about making a sports bet in this convoluted world? Do you mean to identify a match or to attempt to make a, a fixed bet? Mike and Drew need money immediately. Okay. All right, so economic incentive is straight up in there. Um, this is by no means... Uh, a method through which somebody should do this behavior, like we should should engage in, in corrupt misconduct. We would never. But I mean, well, I think if someone was to do this and to do it properly and to be smart about it, they need to have an intimate knowledge of the sport itself or the market in which it's occurring. So, like, you need to know that 
odds a bit. That's that's being offered. You know, you need a bookie. That's probably offering what are unusual bets, like or are willing to accept odds on, on, on something that you that, that can be suggested. If Mike and Drew were looking to join an international gambling ring, which one should they choose? You know, they are two liberally arts-educated individuals with certain talents for uh, the theatrics. What should they join? I don't think the question should be which one should they join, well, in so far as which one would accept them, given their background education. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, the, the Swedish Swifters, uh, perhaps a good opportunity there. Totally kidding. Uh, what could a nickel get me with the Swedish Swifters? Fucking a nickel. <laughs> Shit. If you have an understanding of the sport well enough that you've studied the numbers and you have the market available, that's how you can kind of engage in match fixing. Um, and that's how you identify it as well. So, like, the kind of the point of access is also such a point of uh, identification. Do you think that all of the people that are employed around sports now, I'm talking about trainers, social media managers, do you think it increases the points of infiltration of gambling on sports? Depends how strict the regulation is. So like, we'll go back to the Australian example, just because of the fact that it's so well regulated. Like, say the NRL. The, the what? The NRL, the National Rugby League. Rugby, rugby, rugby. Yeah, we know rugby on this podcast. Yeah, but you, you know rugby union, which is what you play here. Rugby league's different. No, we know small school affiliate rugby American league. That's rugby union. Ah, uh, yes. Which is, it just is like one of those as an example. All of those employees would be made to like sign declaration saying they wouldn't engage in that conduct and they'd be trained to like not even go anywhere near it. Hypothetical. Not hypothetical. Slash, not hypothetical. This is a real case of sports gambling where yeah. someone was kicked out of the Hall of Fame. Philadelphia Phillies baseball legend Pete Rose was caught. Uh, I remember it well. Do you? I don't. Oh, okay. Yes. yes. Pete Rose has the most hits of all time of any major league baseball player ever. He's got like 4,400 something hits, right? Yeah. And that's maybe like 500 more hits than anyone. He's the clear leader. And when he was a player manager, he bets on a game that he was playing in, but yeah. he bet that his team was going to win. So, you know, he's not paying anyone to tank. He's yeah, not paying, yeah. you know, he, he thinks that his team is fundamentally better than that team, and he was banned from the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame forever. And since subsequently, he has very funny commercials where he is in his hall in his home, and his wife says, Pete, aren't you banned from the hall? And he, he laughs at himself, but it's clearly something that has traumatized and plagued him. My God. In your professional ruling, is, should betting on yourself be okay? No, no, definitely not. Like, and it's a I'll preface this by saying that I'm so surprised that he can still profit off what is a joke on his kind of almost criminal record. And, like, most jurisdictions would prevent you from profiting off criminal misconduct, like, or criminal, criminal conduct in general. Like, in Australia, you can't make a profit from releasing a book about all the people that you've fucking killed. Like, you know, it's a, not, a, not a fair comparison, but... Murder and uh, yeah, like, betting on yourself well, yeah, yeah, usually you can't, like, make a profit off, uh, off criminal engagement. Um, it's, it's, it's almost another version of insider trading. When you have a stake or an ability to influence the outcome, then it, it's inherently corrupt if you were to put money on, on an outcome itself. Um, so, I, no, I think that that's... And it, it, it's the many facets of match fix and all corruption in sport. There's not even that. There's ball tampering. There's equipment tampering in general. Like, I mean... It's a flake game. 
what, I don't know what that is, but it sounds good. Nah, fuck Tom Brady, we'll move on. Ah, oh, right. Well, I mean, back back home we had the uh, the cricket ball and the sandpaper. I can't remember. The cricket remember. ball and the sandpaper. Tell yeah. us about that story. Well, I can't remember exactly who they were. I mean, this just shows how long ago it was I was working on these issues and how invested I am in sport. Uh, one of the Australian team members were found to have like been rubbing sandpaper against a cricket ball in an attempt to alter, um, I don't know, the... When they were bowling the balls, viscosity. The, uh, yeah, yeah, it's like viscosity, like the surface area. It's, I mean, it's fucking surface area, which you remind me on a daily basis. Professor X, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you tonight. I love sitting down, getting the time. You know, we don't do this often enough, you and I. <laughs> um, it feels like. It feels like it's been a month since I saw you last. You're really sneaky, you know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one can ever figure out who you are. Yeah. His identity. Who's that Pokemon? <laughs> it's Pikachu. Fuck! <laughs> Using your open source intelligence skills, find out who this interviewee is. <laughs> and there, I, I guarantee you, there are more than enough hints yeah, yeah. in this podcast to find out who it is. But thank you, Mysterious Sexy. I have to say, with that, with that Movember sash, Seriously, sexy man, thank you for coming and talking to me. We've been talking about this for almost a year. We have, and it's, it's been on me. I've been hesitant to do this, um, you know, giving away all the uh, the intel on um, on match fixing. But I feel as though our, our devoted audience here have, have got some information, but I've not been too uh, forthcoming with the details. So I hope I haven't left you hanging. We're here to learn. Yeah. You know, I think the biggest thing about the slam drunk our audience is that. The drunkards, as we call them, the drunk tank gang. I don't know. What do we what do we want to call them? The slammers. The slam drunkians. We're curious. We want to know about social justice in sports, the black markets of sports. We want to know about the shady characters and the golden dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as, as kind of quick summary, like match fixing, corruption in sport, it is a diverse I don't know, it's a diverse array. I mean, we were talking sort of, about our equipment tampering, we spoke about match fixing, fish, match fixing itself, part of me. Match fisting, match, that's match I, fisting. I haven't gotten to that yet <laughs> yeah, tonight. Yeah. Can uh, I put ten, ten fingers down on that, please? It's also a category on Pornhub, so <laughs> you, know, you should look into that. Um, <laughs> perhaps see you next episode. And on behalf of the Slam Drunk audience, have a fantastic <laughs> night, my friend. I love you forever. You too. What did you say, the credits? Credits? I thought they were called chips. Thank you oh so much for listening to Season 2, Episode 6. And a huge thank you to open source investigating expert, Flamingo Lingo. I'm your host, Andrew Hernandez the 14th. And I'm your host, Michael H. The H stands for Humidity Westner. August Dichter is the fixer, the bookie, and producer of this show. Tyler Salami Egland, Neosporine, Neosporine? Oh. Tyler Salami Eglin neosporined our episode art this week and also got a pretty cool vasectomy, too. Nice. Our intro song samples Dreams by DJ Quads. Check Chill Out Records on YouTube and chilloutmedia.com. Email us at slamdrunkpod at gmail.com. Please don't drink if you're under the age of 21. And please don't bet if you're under the age of whatever it is not to bet. And please, please, please someone actually make these meal replacement vapes because I'm tired of eating and I haven't gotten enough vaping. Uh-oh, it's time for the impromptu Mama Spider review, or interview, I guess. What the hell, man?
Oh, she's under there right now? Yeah, she's under there. I, right I thought you threw that one in the trash. Oh, I sure did. I thought I did, too. Yeah. Oh, I see her. Yeah, yeah she's sure going around. Oh, you want to see? Where's the nest? Can Drew do the spider voice and do the interview? Yeah. Yeah, give me a voice. What what voice did I do? You sounded kind of like a trucker, right? You're like a, it was a very hard, it was like a, my eggs. Oh. My eggs. <laughs> this is Spider Mommy. <laughs> Hi, Spider Mommy. Great to have you on the pod. Sorry, uh... My co-host Drew had to run to the bathroom during this interview, but uh, I guess I'm just wondering, what are your feelings um, about being on the bottom of my beer can throughout this podcast? Bottom of the beer can is the best beer can you're ever going to be at. How do you feel about your eggs being on the bottom of the beer can? Well, I love my eggs. I love them. What are your plans after the show? What are you going to do for the next three to six days that you live out your small arachnid life depending on what food you leave out i might have to eat my eggs well have you heard of the new meal replacement vape egg version no way meal replacement vapes i would trade all of my eggs for a meal replacement vape well good news for you because you no longer have to starve your children and eat them to achieve the same great taste and caloric count of your entire brood. Do they have chicken tender pub subs? They do. Holy shit. All right. Bye, Mama Spider, because I'm going to recycle you pretty soon. Bye.